This is my This is my comeback story. This is Trey Lewis with Good Landing Recovery, and you're listening to the Comeback. Welcome back. I'm here with Daniel and Walker. What up? What's, What's up, up, man? man? How are y'all? Good, good. Doing well. Good, good. I was talking with Walker earlier about you know be, being years removed, and it's not like I've got you know fifty years clean and NA or something like that. But you know I, I've you know coming up on eight years, and it's it's easy for me to forget about what it was like when I had thirty days clean. You know that I still talk about the principles, but intellectually being able to 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 remember. And to, to know it is hard on the front end of this journey. But I mean, I, I remember being in treatment, you know, and having a talk with a counselor about, you know, am I ever going to be able to sit down at a table by myself and eat a meal without having a full-blown panic attack? Just because that that's where I was at. I was coming off meth. I was so insecure. I felt like the scum of the earth. Now, I can you know, now kind of go back and draw from that experience, you know, but a lot of times, man, when you, you, you have, you know, years removed from it, you, you can, you can just forget, you know, and that's why, you know, I love talking with people that are, you know, and y'all, y'all have some clean time, but you're still ultimately on the front end of this journey. You know, you're still in the middle of it. You're working with people day in and day out. You're the ones that are typically having the conversations late at night, processing with somebody with two, three days clean, you know, they just went to their very first group and, and they're just trying to get their mind around like, what? Like, I can live without putting dope in my body. I can live without, you know, drinking every second of, of every day and just what a, a really a, a foreign concept it is. I remember a buddy of mine one time, he had gotten clean and, and he was just trying to describe it. And he goes, it's like I just got off of a spaceship and I'm on a different planet. You know, and I, I just am getting to know this person that I that I've never met before because I've been medicated with drugs for for all these years. But anyway, um, I have just thanked the world of both of y'all. I think that not only are you clean, but you have a real relationship with God. Like you, you are really dialed into the heartbeat of 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 what it means for somebody to overcome. And I'd like to hear from you. Yeah, man. So. Early in the process for me, it was like, even though I was sober, I didn't have the drug in my body. The My mindset was still like it was an active use. Like I was not thinking about doing good. I was still thinking about looking for pills and looking, even though I was sober through the withdrawals and everything, it just took me a while to get to where, I mean, you don't want it. You, I mean, the cravings are just so strong. It can be summed up for me in one one real sentence, and that is always do the next right thing. If I can just keep that fresh in my mind and know that I'm doing good and love God and do as Jesus says and love one another, follow the golden rule, treat others as you would be treated, especially in kind of in a leadership role now. Yeah. Um, you just have to be sensitive to to like the mindset that I know I was in when I first came in yeah, and try to help guys get to that thought of always do the next right thing. So, so let's talk a little bit about your background. Okay. How old are you? I'm 30. 30. When's your mm-hmm. birthday? December 28th. Okay. Um, 
So 30 years old, how many, how many times have you been through treatment? Um, probably about 15. Wow. When, when did you start using? I started using at 14, really. I did my, I took some lore tabs with my cousin when I was eight. Yeah. That was the first drug experience I ever had. And then um, I did meth at so 14. So you did lore tabs at eight? Yeah. How, how did you get your hands on lore tabs at eight? So my cousin was a girl. She was about three years older than me, and her aunt... I mean, her mom, which was my aunt, had a prescription of them, and she would take them from her, and she gave them to me. And um, I remember thinking, I want to feel like this forever, at just at eight years old. That's unbelievable. Because you hear the story all the time. I mean, pr- pretty much every addict can can at some time go back mm-hmm. to 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 that to that very first time, and you're thinking, okay, I've finally arrived. That's I mean, right. I remember what it's like the first time I got drunk, you know, and just different times, you know, along the way of like, this is what I was made to do. But that normally doesn't happen until somebody's a teenager. And you're mm-hmm. saying at eight years old that you you feel that that feeling, you know, when, when so many other people, you know, take painkillers for the first time and they're like, dude, I don't ever want to feel like this again. Mm-hmm. I'm numb. It's a horrible contact high. It is a, you know... I, I don't want to feel like this. And you at eight years old, like... That, I knew this was for me. That monster was already awakened. Oh, yeah. And then um, at 14, I moved in with my dad. And that's when, you know, all rules were gone. I mean, he was all still torn up from the divorce that my parents had when I was four. And so I basically just did whatever I wanted. He, we smoked pot and... uh all through high school, I was the kid where, you know, everybody came to our house to party and get messed up, and you were just able to do whatever you wanted. So, um, and from there at 14, the weed every day, and then, you know, it just led to experimenting with other stuff. But it always came back to opiates for me from that first feeling at eight, where I just knew I wanted, that's what I wanted to feel like forever. And I had no clue about addiction at this point. I didn't know it could cause problems. I just thought, yeah, you could just do it and have a good time. Yeah. And feel good. And that all changed rapidly when I got uh, hooked. Yeah. You said, you, did you finish high school? Yeah, I did. So I you went, partied like that all through high school? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did very well in high school. Got good grades. And then um, went to University of Alabama and uh, some... That's when I started partying. Didn't go to class, started selling drugs, had tons of cash. I remember having 20 grand in my underwear drawer at 18. Wow. And um, it was, I ended up calling my mom two weeks into the second semester and was like, I got to leave. This is not right. It was, I was so far from God. Um, I had believed in God my whole life, but, you know, in that mindset and in the drug game, you you just, that's not what you're thinking about. And I felt like there was something missing, like life was not what it should be, and I had to get out of there. And I got out and went to my first detox, because my folks didn't know Call anything me back, about. I just want to drill okay. on something for a second. So you're, so, so you're 18 years old, you're a freshman at University of Alabama, you just went over there on... I mean, you, you left 
didn't go to UGA, but still went to another good school. You, you were able to get in there with your grades, or mm, yeah, well, UGA was pretty hard to get into. I see. Uh, I didn't get the the test scores like on the ACT to get in Georgia, oh. but I got into Alabama no problem. Plus that out of state tuition, you know, they like that. So oh yeah, that's a lot of money. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was. It was tough. So you're in the middle of that. You got 20 grand in your underwear drawer. Mm -hmm. Did you have the 20 grand in your underwear drawer when you reached out to your mom or did yeah. you? Yeah, I came home with it and she was like, you're giving all this away. You're donating <laughs> to charity or something. And I was like, mom, all, she's no, awesome. I'm not. You're crazy. <laughs> so I kept it. And, you know, just as soon as I got home, maybe two or three days I stayed, you know, good. And then it was just off to the races again at wow. home. See, and that, that, that's another thing, too, just to, to kind of look at, you know, intentions don't always equal impact. Mm. You have the best of intentions. You know, things aren't right over here in Tuscaloosa. I'm going to come back to Georgia. And even though you had good intentions, and because I, I think so many parents are hearing this story, right? I mean, their, their kids are like, okay, something's off. I want to come home. I want to be a different person. And you really want to be, but yet there's this disconnect on being able to do it, so. Yeah, just once you go past that point of loving the feeling and then having to have it, it's not just a party anymore. It's not fun anymore. You just, you gotta have it to get through the day. Yeah. And um, not knowing anything about addiction. My parents didn't know anything about it. And gosh, it's, that's for the past 12 years has just been a roller coaster until I got here. Wow. Walker. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man, like Trey was saying, we were talking talking before and he kind of brought up the topic of like, you know, what it what it looks like to be in early recovery. And I was saying something along the lines of, you know, it's it's healthy at some in some aspects to to not remember what the dope feels like or remember what the alcohol tastes like and it's it's healthy to not not think about those things, but at some point you have to remember those early moments in recovery and those those you have to remember those times when you were desperate yeah. and you got to think back and and really put yourself back in that situation because like I, a lot of times that's what keeps me plugged in and keeps me wanting to keep growing and keeps me wanting to you know make progress and stuff is because I look back at the person that I was when I first got here and the person that I was when I was out there in addiction and I I, I remember just wanting something different and wanting, you know, a, a complete change in my life and not knowing how to get it. And when the option was presented to me, I just kind of, you know, took took advantage of it. And I, I think it's, I think it's hard to to look back at that too because you you remember how sad you were and how hopeless you felt. But you have to because it's it's important for your it's important for it's important for your su sustained recovery. Yeah. You know, it's important to keep growing. It's good. It's hard. It's hard, but it's necessary. And I think that's applicable to a lot of things when it comes to the recovery topic. Is is it's hard, but it's necessary. Yeah, I, I think that that is what I am constantly like screaming at anybody that walks through these doors, that I am like, dude, if there should be a more grateful, a more desperate, a more like clinging to anything 
hopeful in God, it should be us who have escaped death. I don't know how many times, and we've been given a, 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 another, not a second chance, like a 20 millionth chance at life, really. And, you know, and, and you're talking about it, you know, of just being able to go back to those, to those early days and just like, I don't know why that for whatever reason, you know, where they call it euphoric recall or this ability to only go back and think about, you know, what it was like, you know, that first year in high school when we just figured out about drinking and how much fun that was and why so often, you know, we'll want to posture ourselves like we have life by the tail when in reality, you know, it was an absolute crap show and, you know, and, and I mean, just to your point. Yeah, no, I think that's 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 it, man. Like, I find myself off, not often, but sometimes just you know taking things for granted or, or becoming complacent and just wanting something more, which is you know healthy to want something more, but like wanting something more that's not you know God or is not recovery, just you know more money or more just just the worldly things and stuff. And I, I want just more, and I want you know. All that kind of stuff, but it's it's in those moments when I have to look back and be like, where was I nine months ago? I was living out of my car in an Ingalls parking lot two minutes away from where I could get high because I didn't want to go anywhere else because I didn't have anywhere else to go walking into Ingalls three times a day to use the bathroom and otherwise not getting out of my car for days. You know, like that just just unimaginable, you know, sadness and hopelessness feeling. Who was your drug of choice? Meth, but I so I I I, uh, I was on a bunch of stuff, but meth is the one that was in the forefront. You go to, yeah, for sure. Yeah, y'all are talking about not like don't forget the past. So I've done a lot. I've been to hundreds and hundreds of AA meetings, and it didn't work for me. You know, I don't like the idea of you know it just can be any higher power you want it to be. For me, it has to be Jesus. Yeah, a hundred percent. But they do have. Some little, I call them cliche AA sayings, like Mm -hmm. we do not forget the past, we do not forget the past or wish to shut the door on it. Stuff like that is remembering things like that and then those sayings can help you, but I just have to have Jesus. And, and, And I think that, you know, and I'm not getting ready to just go off on a tangent about, you know, my problem with higher power and you know, God is Mr. Potato Head. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. But, you know, there there is this, you know, mixture. I mean, you see Paul do it. I mean, Paul talks about, like, I was the chief among sinners. I mean, he talks about, you know, that, uh, you know, about, you know, him persecuting the church. And there there is a level to be able to remember our depravity and what God delivered us from without romanticizing it. And that's really any time that I that, that somebody's getting ready to share their testimony in a Friday night recovery church, I'm like, here's here's the, here's the deal, dude. Like when you share your story, you know, make sure that you're not triggering the entire room. That we can we can say the same stuff and give the same details, and you can give it with a demonic anointing that's going to make somebody want to go get high, or you can tell it from the place of this is how far gone I was. And it is good to be able to remember that stuff, but at some point we have to attach to the future. Because if we don't, I mean, it, it's not the the like I don't I don't get up every morning and and decide you know I'm gonna get in my Bible or you know or I have this just you know unbelievable fear that somehow I'm gonna trip and fall in a pile of meth, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know. But there is this really good sense of I don't ever want to forget, 
you know, what it was like to be in a meth-induced psychosis and what it was like to stay up for days and to be filthy and my mind to just just be completely given, you know, to to the enemy. But, you know, obviously what, what drives us now is the fact that God has this incredible plan for our lives and he loves us. But um, another reason that, that we remember, and I think kind of like what we were talking about on the front end of this, is, is so that we can relate to that newcomer. I don't want to forget, you know, and to be able to be like, look, man, there's, there's hope. I know what it's like to, to feel like that. So talk to me a little bit about your story, like how, how it happened, Walker. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm 20. I'm from Cumming, Georgia, you know, close to the old Decula, Georgia, where we are now. Um, grew up really in a good family, man. Just loving parents, loving family surrounding me and stuff. Just someone that shouldn't have been, you know, overcome with a drug addiction. There was, there was nothing going on in my home life that would cause someone to be like, oh, it makes sense, or, you know, yeah, he's probably not going to be the best best person growing up. You know, like <laughs> I had it all going for me, man. Yeah. And then, you know, I got to middle school and started getting bullied pretty bad, and that continued through high school. And I didn't really have anywhere where else to turn except for, you know, myself and what made me feel good, which I found out early on was drugs and alcohol. And, you know, I started drinking when I was, you know, 11 and 12 and moved on to weed when I was 13, 14 and pills at 15 and cocaine at 16 and then also meth at 16 and did that for about two years so you so, so so the bullying that happened in high school yeah man i mean was was a big deal it was a big deal it was huge i'm uh i'm big about you know well, i was at least about what people think about me and how i'm perceived and you know what people are saying when i'm not in a room and it would just you know it, it's it, there's some level where you know, I can't control what people say about me to a room, but it got to the point where it was being said right to my face. And I was being, you know, torn down constantly by by people. And in turn, just completely shut off from the world. You know, I would walk around school with my headphones in. I would get to school late, leave school early. I would go to work, not talk to anyone, go back to my house and go and do my own thing, whether it be outside or in my room. My parents and I became, you know, disconnected that my dad was my best friend growing up, and my mom was my biggest supporter, and I lost two of the most valuable people in my life, you know. My sister kind of lost her big brother, and she didn't want to, like, you know, associate with me. And I found my refuge in drugs. You know, I I did the whole, I tried the whole church thing and gave it a good shot, had some ups and downs with that. But uh, at the end of the day, it didn't, give me the full effect because I wasn't trying as hard as I was to find dope, you know? And it was the bullying thing, man, was really, really tough. And it it, it left a pretty big lasting impact on my, my life. Yeah. So. That, that, that stuff is just, it's interesting, you know, to, to, to just think about what we say. It matters. If you're listening to this, don't be a jerk to people. And, and, you know, and I say that, you know, because, um, I mean, it matters. I mean, it, it, it really matters on how we treat people. Um, I, you know, I, I know what it, you know, what it, what it felt like to, to kind of be at, you know, on the other end of some of that stuff. And then I also just remember how ruthless that I was at different times and, you know, the impact that that has on people's lives. And, you know, to the point that somebody would, you know, get to a place, I mean, see kids committing suicide you know, and then a slower form of suicide, which is going to be turned to, to drugs. 
and thank God that that the Lord did intervene and, and change the trajectory of your life. Do you think that there was any way for, for this not to play out the way it did? I mean, do you think that there could have been something that could have reached you or could have been different? As far as my drug addiction? Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I, I, I mean, maybe myself. I, I, I Kind of the same thing that Daniel was saying. You know, the first time that I had experienced a high or a, a drunk, whatever, I forget what, what came first, actually. But the first time that I was not sober, it was lights out, man. I was, you know, this, I, I wasn't necessarily looking for it to fix all my problems when I, when I did it, but it did. And I was like, this is it. I'm good. I finally found what I can do to make myself happy, what I can do to finally make myself sleep at night instead of beating myself up until three in the morning, what I can do before school to deal with the, you know, the kids that are going to make fun of me, what I can, what I can, you know, use as my survival method. And, you know, that's the thing that I cling, clinged on to. But, but going now, you know, God really did intervene in such a way that was just, I mean, unimaginable, you know, just uh, un, unworldly is in, the, in the way that he does. And he showed me that he was better than anything like that. And he is my refuge and he is my strength. You know, he's my friend, he's my dad, he's my father, all, all those things. And it's important to me to remember that, you know, that, that, that I don't have to worry about what people think about me or what, what they say about me because he sent his only son to die for me, for everyone, but, I mean, also specifically for me. You know, and I think I think that's a lot of times that's lost is, you know, Jesus came and died for our sins. No, Jesus came and died for my sins and your sins and everyone else's sins on the planet, not collectively, but singularly that one person and, and collectively at the same time in just some crazy way that he does. Yeah. And I think it's it's amazing, man, that I'm able to have a relationship with the creator of the universe because at the end of the day, when I have that, it's what matters. Yeah. So that's it, man. That's the real thing right there. So what's life like today? I mean, I've seen your dad and, you know, those obviously there were years where y'all disconnected and I mean, what's what's the other side of recovery in Jesus? Man, I mean, just amazing. Just uh, full of love. You know, my dad, I, I mentioned earlier that my dad was my best friend growing up and we had lost that relationship and, you know, being being where I am now, I've got that back. I talk to him almost every day. You know, my mom calls me and asks me how I'm doing. She's my biggest supporter again. She has all the love in the world for me. She's an amazing woman. And my dad, you know, he's he's my best friend. And I've got I've got a group of guys around me now that I know have my best interests in mind. I love coming to work every day and just being surrounded by this positivity and getting to help out and getting to, you know, minister into these other people's lives. And it's just I'm the most happy that I've been in my entire life. I'm the most peaceful that I've ever been in my entire life, you know, that anxiety that I experienced for so long when I would just, you know, go somewhere, do something, I would just be like, what's going to happen? Now I don't have to worry. You know, I know that it's going to be good no matter what because I'm surrounded by this community and this this just love. I am uh, the most comfortable, the most peaceful, like I said, and, you know, just all, all, all those things, man. I'm just very at, I'm just very sound in my recovery. Yeah. It's awesome, man. You're a high-level guy. It's been cool to watch you. Just, I mean, I, I did not even realize that you were that you're only twenty, and just what you've been through, what you're laying hold of, and I and I think that gives a lot of hope because, you know, I mean, parents are are hearing this and they're just like, oh my gosh, there's no way that my kid's gonna be able to get it at nineteen, and they're gonna be able to get it at twenty. 
And but 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 the reality is is that there's there's no barrier that can you know if 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 I mean God's love is there, His truth is available, you know. And if somebody wants to latch on to it at twenty, um, then then it can happen. So it's just really cool, Daniel. Walker, I just want to say that I wish I would have got it at 20, dude. This is, it's awesome what I see in you and that your life is just going to be so awesome catching it this young. I'm very happy for you and proud for you. But for me, um, life today is like, I didn't think life could be this good. It's for, I mean, since I can remember, life has been about, chasing the high you're chasing just escape from reality you don't want to feel anything and uh you know all these terrible things i did i stole from the people i loved and then that would make me feel so bad that i would do it again so i could get high and forget about it and that's just the cycle that repeated and repeated itself and um just seeing the way my parents have it's like that all that has just been forgotten and just they are so happy with me now i can see peace in my mom finally after 16 years it is uh it's really something to see and um also just be coming in and kind of taking a i've been in a leadership role a little bit here now um and just watching these guys come in just broken just like I was and watching them just for this little bit of time, seeing them come out of the fog and come into Christ and watch happiness and watch their faces light up. It's just worth, it's worth every minute of, of the work I put in. Wow. That's what it's all about, man. I love hearing from you guys. And, and it's just, it's, su- it's such a difference in, you know, somebody that, that has clean time and then somebody that's gotten like a real, you know, for lack of better terms, just a dose and and they've got something real in God, you know. It's it's real recovery. It's something that you can hand off to somebody. But um, something else I know about you guys is that you're both outdoorsmen. You like to hunt. You like to fish. What are some What are some goals this year? What are we doing? Oh. We killing elk. We going trout fishing and up in the mountains. What are we doing, dude? Um, well, turkey seasons is here oh, it is upon us and, uh, <laughs> let's go man let's go i just i got a place down in macon we can go and i just that's turkey hunting is probably my favorite because you get to move and a call and i love calling them in and i really now i've killed a bunch of them so i just like call them in for other people it's it's fun to watch just you know people get excited and i just love the hunt man are, are Walker and I invited? Yeah. Absolutely. This is own take. <laughs> yeah. Okay. No take back. This <laughs> is like a contract. This weekend again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, Daniel's one of the hunting guy, man. It's, I'm ready to catch some big fish. I don't know what that looks like. I'd like to go down and maybe catch some tarpon or on the fly rod. That's what I'm yes. like doing is fly fishing. So I'm, I'm, about, I'm about to catch some big fish this year, hopefully, man. Let's do it. Let's do it. Tarpon is on, is on my list. <laughs> Cool. Well, I enjoyed you guys so much. I know it's going to impact a lot of lives. Let's do it again soon. Yes, sir. I enjoyed it as well. Cool. Thank you for all you do, bro. Guys, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to serve you. If you or someone in your family is struggling with addiction, please give us a call. It's 770-570-7422. 
2022.